Great, let's uh, pray together for a moment, shall we? Father, we're asking for your help in these moments. We're asking that you would open up a truth, a truth about life, a truth about God, a truth about ourselves. And you'd help us make the connections to join the truths together so that we might hear the thing or the things that you would say to us this morning. Lord, would you do what you amazingly do? And that's in a room full of people. Speak specifically to each of our hearts. Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. We're um, on the fourth of our journey through what's been known uh, through the ages as the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we've called it the agenda because the way the Lord's Prayer works is that what the disciples were asking of Jesus was not simply, would you give us a set of words that we might pray, but would you help us understand how your life works, which is a rhythm of praying and living, or a rhythm equally of living and praying. Jesus didn't live in a particular way and then go off and to pray in isolation or with a disconnection between that and the life that he was living. There was an interconnectedness all of the time. And what we've been thinking about over these weeks is that when the Lord said to the disciples, this is how you should pray... He was saying so much more, this is how you should live. Not just words to say, but themes and agendas to live by. In other words, the disciples came to Jesus and said, look, tell us the secret, the secret of your life. What is the rhythm with which you choose to live each day? Because they were amazed. They were amazed at the things that Jesus said, and they were amazed at the things that Jesus did. They were amazed at the difference that he made to each and every encounter that he had that's recorded for us in the Gospels. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray, to live this kind of rhythm. And before we look specifically at what the fourth uh, one is this morning, around this whole theme of community, I just want to reflect with you about relationships. We know that relationships are the most important thing, whether we recognize it or not, in our ordinary, busy, everyday lives. We know they're the most important because, for example, if we go to a beautiful place but we're struggling to communicate or to get on with the people that we love around us, then it doesn't matter how beautiful that place might be, it will be a place of struggle and strife, of anxiety, and so on and so forth. Because the relationships 
are more important than anyone, anything else. If, for example, you live in a neighborhood that is perfect, but you are with the neighbors from hell, at the moment you're thinking, how did you know what my neighbors were like? Um, If you're in that environment, then that will affect the whole thing. It it won't matter how uh, amazing your particular house is or the environment around it. You will continue to struggle because the environment is affected more than anything by the quality of relationships. So, what's this got to do with the agenda? Well, let me lift this up here, as some of my bits and bobs aren't working. Jesus said, this is one of the rhythms, one of the themes, one of the agendas that I live by. I live by a rhythm of knowing God forgives me and therefore releasing forgiveness to those around me. This is how you should pray, but remember it's also how you should live. This is how you should pray and this is also how you should uh, live. With this rhythm of forgiveness from God and forgiveness to each other. Now, some translations use different words. Forgive us our trespasses, which is a kind of older English language that is uh, quite similar to sins in its kind of sense and meaning. Other translations that you'll be familiar with use the word debts. To forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted towards us. The uh, uh, King James uses the word debts. Some of the English Standard Version, for example, uses the word debts. And it's that word debts that I'd like us really to think about um, this morning. Just to help us get a different feel for what this passage might be trying to say to us. Nearly there. So we're going to look at debts. We're going to think about that together. And if you think about debts, in relationships, there is a lot of debt and a lot of debt collecting. Just to think how our relationships might work for um, a, a moment. I wonder, um, could I borrow somebody? Josh, could I borrow you for a minute? That'd be all right. So imagine for a moment, you you don't have to do anything, okay? In in a few moments you'll have to sing, but that's the only thing you'll have to do, okay? (laughs) Okay, Other than that, just, just, uh, okay? We bonding, Josh? Yeah. Okay, good. Right. So imagine for a moment, like I just have, I've, I've upset Josh. I've kind of hurt him in some way or, or wounded him. Maybe I, I did that intentionally because I was cross. Maybe I just accidentally hurt him. 
And because I've hurt Josh, when I kind of come to my senses and think about what's happened, I feel that I owe Josh something. Anyone understand what I mean? I I kind of owe him. I owe him a debt because I've hurt him. I've wounded him. Perhaps I didn't mean to, but nevertheless, that's what I've done. And I owe Josh a debt. Josh is hurt by what I've done. So that might make him understandably feel a bit angry. Angry face. And because he feels a bit angry, okay, he will justify his anger. He'll say, well, it's absolutely fine for me to be angry because you deserve it. You owe me. And me being angry is what you deserve. It's payment. It's my response for what you have created. With me so far? With me so far? Okay. So, so I've done something. I've upset Josh. Uh, and, and Josh is justifiably angry because in his anger, he's making me pay. He doesn't want to let me off. I've done something wrong to him. He wants me to pay for what I've done wrong. I owe him. And the way he makes me pay is by being angry towards me. Now, after a while, I think to myself, come on, Josh, this is a bit unfair. Or even after a very short time, I think, come on, Josh, this is a bit unfair. And so he, by making me pay, hurts me. And now I'm feeling a bit angry. So even though I did something wrong and I owe Josh, uh, and Josh is making me pay, after a little while, I'm beginning to think, actually, now Josh owes me a little bit because he's making me really sweat for this. And so I'm angry too. So I'm making Josh pay for him making me pay because I did something wrong in the beginning. All together? Okay, so the thing about this is that like most debts, if you don't pay them off in full, what happens? They, they just escalate. They go up and up and up and up and up. up. And, and that's kind of what happens in our relationships because Josh is never quite sure whether he's made me pay enough. And the more he's working out how much to make me pay, I'm feeling like he's overdoing it, and now he needs to pay me. So the debt just keeps going up and up and up. And so after a while, things are a little bit difficult between Josh and I, because there's this whole debt thing going on, debt collecting business. It would be bad enough if it ended there, but it doesn't end there. Jack, could we borrow you for a minute? Would you be all right? So one day, Jack's just wandering along the road, and happens to come into this sphere of influence with us, all right? Now, you will know if you have a debt, what you're most focused on is getting that debt paid. So if you owe someone £100 and you happen to come by £100, you don't worry too much about where that £100 comes from. You're just glad that you've got it to pay. Now, we've both got debts that we're trying to work out with each other. Okay, so I need to pay Josh, and Josh is trying to pay me. So Jack comes along, and I think, ooh, ooh, I'll make Jack pay me. If he owes me a bit, then I'll have a bit so that I can pay back Josh. So Jack, who's got nothing to do with it, I'm a bit cross and angry with Josh. I'm making uh, Jack, I'm making Jack, Josh, Jack, Josh, who am I talking about? I'm a bit angry now with Jack, so I'm making Jack pay me so that I've got what I need to pay Josh. You go, that's not fair. Jack's got nothing to do with it. I don't really care. I have a debt that I've got to pay Josh, and so I need Jack to pay me so that I can pay Josh. And then someone else comes along. Carrie, wander along, because actually, even girls do this. It's not just a boy thing, right? Carrie comes along one day. Josh is busy having to pay me back for the debt that I'm paying him. So Carrie wanders in, and Josh starts getting angry with Carrie. Because Carrie could therefore pay Josh a little bit, which would give him a little bit to pay me, and so we go on. What's it got to do with 
Jack and Carrie, absolutely nothing. But that doesn't matter. We start making them pay. And so our relationships build up a debt and a debt and a debt, which is why your boss is a swine and you go home and you become a swine. You're just collecting the debt. You're just making sure that everyone pays. Give them a round of applause. And that's the trouble. It goes up and up and up. Now, imagine that that keeps going. Like in a world like ours that's been going on for thousands of years. There's quite a lot of debt around. Wouldn't you agree? And we we create debt and we seek to try and repay debt in all kinds of of different ways. Think about the ways in which there is a debt that maybe you are trying to collect from someone or somewhere else. Parents who hurt us. Brothers and sisters who wound us. A friend that betrayed us. A sweetheart that rejected us. A spouse that promised to love and cherish us and ends up nagging and dismissing us. And so this world creates a ginormous level of debt. Everywhere you look, people are trying to collect debts. And it's got so complicated, we're not even collecting the right debts from the right people. And so it just goes on and on and on. What if, just suppose, as a really wacky random idea, somehow, in some way, we said all debts are cancelled? Immediately something in us goes, that's not fair. If, if they owe a debt, they should pay the debt that they owe. And so we might be tempted to dismiss the idea of releasing a debt a little too quickly because, well, they owe me, and goodness sake, I owe them. Excuse me. So I need them to pay me what they owe so that I've got something to pay the people that I owe. And so it keeps, excuse me, (coughs) excuse me. So it keeps going on, passed from one to the other. And we might therefore be tempted to say, Those debts just have to be paid. But imagine, if you can, step out of it for a moment. What if all the debts were cancelled? What difference, what freedom would that create in your life? And what difference would it make in my life? Jesus told a story. And Jesus said, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him thousands bag of gold was brought to him. In other words, an unimaginable debt. It's a story about a debt that cannot ever be repaid. Imagine the huge debt, relational debt, that exists in our world. It's so big, we can never repay it or pay it 
back. Like a whole world of debt. Since he was not able to pay, the story goes, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything I owe. He thought, the servant, if only I can collect the debts from all the people that owe me, I will have enough money to pay back this unimaginable debt. He didn't really listen to what the king had actually said. He simply knew he had a debt to pay, didn't hear the words about the debt being cancelled, and thought, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take from whoever owes me in the hope that then I will have enough to pay. But the servant's master took pity on him and cancelled the debt and let him go. All his debts were cancelled, but he hadn't understood it. And so, Jesus goes on and says, he hadn't understood, so what did he do? As soon as he went out, he found someone who owed him just a couple of quid, and he got them round the throat, that they might pay back that couple of quid, then another, then another, then another, is the implication of the story. In the belief that one day he will have gathered enough, The reason, and this is the only thing worth remembering this morning, the reason we keep making people pay debts that we think we are owed is because we do not realize that the whole thing has been canceled. The reason we make people pay us what we think relationally they owe owe us is because we do not yet believe that the whole thing has been cancelled. And so we live as debt collectors when Jesus invites us into his rhythm of being debt releasers. Unforgiveness makes us behave in unforgiving ways. The ungracious is a response, or our lack of gratitude is a response to ungraciousness. And Jesus says, stop collecting the debts because there is no longer anything to pay. But you say, rightly, it's impossible. It's impossible because there is something deep inside our psyche that says everyone ought to pay. And there is something deep inside our psyche that reminds us each day that we owe other people for the relational debts that we have created towards them. But what if really someone has paid and we could let it all go? What if All the debts were paid, and you had nothing to pay. Then you could stop collecting, because you wouldn't need anybody to pay you, because you don't have to pay anybody else. You don't have to pay God 
above all else. And so Jesus tells this story about a king who is God in the story, who had canceled all the debt. The Bible tells us that Jesus himself has canceled all the debt on the cross. And if God doesn't make you pay, why are you still, why am I still making others pay us? The Bible says very simply that you were bought with a price. In other words, you, your debt, everything that you owed to God and everybody else, all the ways you've hurt people and you've hurt God, in all the ways you've messed up your human relationships and made mistakes with your relationship with God and turned your back on it, all cancelled, nothing left to pay. So the question remains, who do you need to stop collecting from because there is nothing to pay anymore. And sometimes we look at the life of Jesus and we, 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 we read the words of abundant life, that he's come to give life, but the thief only comes to kill and steal and to destroy. And we think, how do we get that life that is liberating and free? Why are we so tied and bound? This debt collecting is at the heart of it all. Because we hold people, sometimes in our hearts, around the neck, making them pay in the belief that if I make everybody pay, somehow I can pay him. Bottom line is, you can never pay him, even if you made all of those people pay. And if he lets you go, then why don't you let them go too? It's a freeing liberating, life-giving rhythm, way to live, and Jesus invites us into it. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to understand the amazing reality of your cross, that you've paid and cancelled all the debts Help us to understand the ways in which we keep debt collecting. The ways in which if we think, if only I can keep making those people pay, then I will have enough and my debt will be cancelled. It is an illusion. It is not true. It will never bring us freedom. Help us in our hearts. To see and to know where we are still trying to make people pay. And then when it seems so unfair, so unjust, so wrong that we should just let people walk. They owe me. They did that to me. Help us to remember a God in heaven to whom we owe a debt that we can never pay. Help us to know. And to let them go. Because you've let us go. Help us in Jesus name. Amen.